We haven't got there yet. We're getting there. <laughs> well, guys, it really is good to be with you guys this morning. Um, you know, I was telling, I told probably three or four people this, but coming to Northview feels like, you know, it's like my other home church. I mean, I, I, I lived in Tremont my whole life, and I, I went to church at uh, New Life Fellowship in Logan. Because, you know, we took 30 minutes to drive because that was one of the closest churches we could go to. And I grew up in that church, and, you know, it, it, was, it was such an honor to, to be able to come to this church as well and, and be involved with the youth and do your youth program right when you guys started out. I mean, it was, it was fun, man. I mean, I, I never told the other church this, but you guys were my favorite. Your youth group was my favorite. <laughs> and that, I'm not even joking. It was a great time. It really was. I mean, we, we really enjoyed doing it. And it's fun to have two youth groups at once. Because then if you want to do a big event, you just combine groups and you, you have like 45 kids. And you're like, yes, you know, <laughs> but then again, you have like 45 kids. So you're like, oh, no, what did we do? <laughs> but, you know, what? It, it really is great to be here. Um, you know, things have really, really changed since I last spoke here. Um, last, I, I believe the last time we were here was a week before we planted in Tremont. You know, we, we planted a church in Tremont last April, Easter Sunday on, in April. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a big you know, we were so scared. We were so excited at the same time, and it was a big deal. I mean, God really just opened doors for us, and I remember uh, it, you guys really surprised us, and, and Pastor Seth. By the way, how many of you guys know you have a great pastor? Yeah, you, you really do. <laughs> you guys really do, and I, I, I tell you, almost with tears in my eyes, like, it's hard to speak these words, but man, it, it was so encouraging to come out and um, have you guys pray over us, and, and I remember we took all the chairs out. I couldn't believe he did this, that Seth would do this, but he took all the chairs out and prayed for me and Tanya, and, and not just that, but you know, it, you may not know this, but two of your families, uh, the Carusos and John and Kyler Powell, used to go here, and they helped us launch the church over there. They now attend my church. The Carusos moved away since then, but they helped us move, plant the church. So, you know, in a very real way, you guys are just as much part of that as anything. I mean, you guys are involved with that. It's not just something that's happening. It's something that you guys have been part of since the beginning. And, I mean, it, 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 I, I totally didn't expect, you know, coming in here last time I spoke last year in April, that you guys would just take a moment, gather around, lay hands on us, and pray for us. I mean, it, it touched my heart. I was sobbing. <laughs> I'm like, I get really emotional. I was like sobbing like a baby. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they really love us. You know, it was, it was awesome. So, you know, it, it really is a great joy for us to be here. Um, another big change in my life is now I have a 10-month-old daughter. Uh, Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> she's in the front row. We'll have to have you introduce her. You know, come find us afterwards. She's, she's probably the cutest kid possible. Like, I'm like, how did this happen? I don't know. It's pretty awesome, though. I, l I love being a dad. I I'll tell you real quick, just before I get going, that being a dad is, like, the best. I mean, it's, it's so fun, and it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's amazing. It's such an honor. It's such a privilege. And it really taught me that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, now I've got this other life. I do not know what I'm doing. And, you know, God really, I think God's used it to humble me a lot because, wow, 10-month-old daughter, that's, that's a whole big change. So we started a church. We had our first kid. It's been a wild ride this year. <laughs> but you know what? It's been good. And, and it's great to be here this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I want to, you know, let you know we're grateful to partner with you guys. You guys are, you know, it's the body of Christ, right? I mean, it, it's not one church up here, one church over there. It, it's the church of God. It's his church. And we believe that. We, we believe that in Tremont. We believe that in Far West. We believe that in, you know, North Ogden. We, we believe that God's church is so much bigger than one congregation or one building. It's the church of people who follow and worship the one true God, Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Amen. And it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I, I remember last year as well when we were here, you guys had one service, and now you guys have two services. That means I got to get up early, but you know what? It's worth it. It's okay. You guys have good coffee too, so it's all good. <laughs> but honestly, I, I believe that God has big plans for northern Utah. I, I don't think you can plant a church in Tremont if you don't believe that. And I don't think you can plant a church in North Ogden if you don't believe that. I believe that God has big, exciting plans for northern Utah. And, and my heart, my heart's there. I love these people. I mean, this is, this is where I'm from. You know, northern Utah, I, I'm from Tremont. I mean, this is, this is my hometown. And it's an honor to be here. And I, I, I love to see how God is using, you know, his church to reach hearts and people in this area. You know, both where we're at and where you're at. I mean, it, it, it's so exciting to see revival and, and people just run to God. Because how many you know, as a country, as a nation, and specifically as a state, we need God. We need Him. Desperately. And, and church, it's exciting for us. It, it, it's, a, it's a big step of faith to walk out and do this. But it, it, it's, it's amazing because God is opening the door. You know, you remember that time in John, in the book of John, where Jesus tells His disciples, He says, The harvest is ready, but where are the workers? You know, I, I feel like that at, at, in Tremont. And I feel like people come to my church, you know, people, I don't even know how they heard about us, but they come to our church because they're, they're hungry. They're seeking something. They're seeking that relationship that can only be fulfilled in God. And, and it's exciting, and it's an honor and a privilege. And I, I'm so excited to do that with you guys, to partner with you guys. You know, I think about the Israelites when they entered the promised land. You remember in the Old Testament, they, they entered into this land, and God promised them this land of peace and abundance and you know, it was this amazing land flowing with milk and honey, right? It sounds sticky, but <laughs> that's what it was, right? And, and, and what he told them to do, he says, here's what you got to do. Everywhere you put your foot, you got you to take that land. Everywhere you step, you, you've got to take that land. You've got to take steps forward to get this. Walk into the promise that I have for you. Take the land. It's not a passive calling. And so today, I, I want to talk about that briefly, uh, taking steps of faith. You know, doing something big for God, doing something that is beyond what you think you can do, and, and acting out in the way that He wants you to, the steps that He would call us to do, taking a big step of faith, faith that moves mountains and changes hearts. You know, I, I, I think about what Jesus said. It says, it's faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to the mountain, be moved. You know, and, and the reality is, I, I, would have never, I would have never thought that it would be so easy to plant a church. But, I mean, when God's with you, it's not that hard. When you take a step of faith and you trust God, it's amazing what he'll do with your life. Both anywhere, whether it's planning a church, whether it's sharing your faith, whatever it is, God is real. God is real. Amen? Amen. So today I want to look at three examples in scriptures. We'll be, we'll be all over the place this morning, but if I could have you stand for the reading of this one. Hebrews chapter 11. Big, famous chapter. I love this passage. It's amazing. I can't help but preach it in, in loud vocals. But Hebrews chapter 11, 32 through 40. I think we have that up on the screen. Yeah, we do. It says this, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Japheth of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back the dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might 
rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sodden too. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and the caves of the earth. And all, th- and all these, through, commended, through their faith, commended, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I love that passage. You may be seated. I love that passage. It's called the Hall of Faith. And that's just the end of it. It's a, it's a whole chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. But it, it looks back to those stories in the Old Testament, those stories of faith. You know, I, how many of you guys love Kids Church in here? Right? Kids Church was the best, okay? I, I was, my parents are, are the children's pastors. That's their, their thing. They love doing Kids Church, especially my mom. She's done it for like 30 years. And I, I remember just... Kids Church was so much fun because they, you know, back in my days before we had technology, and by the way, I'm only 29, so some of you are like, back in your day, uh uh-huh. But, you know, I was like, okay. But, you know, I remember they used to take these felt boards, right? You guys remember those? And they stick those things on the felt boards, and like, they were like these cutouts, and you just tell the story with the little felt characters, you know what I mean? I don't know why, but I loved it. And, and, And when I think about the Old Testament, I think about the stories of faith. Those are the stories that, honestly, I, I believe teach us a lot of things, teach us a lot of things about our relationship with God and taking steps of faith, and walking out what God has called us to do. And that passage is full of so many examples. And today, I just want to share three examples in the Old Testament about taking a step of faith. Three examples of men and women of God who, who stepped out and did what God called them to do, and, and moved mountains. And it's amazing. Can I do that with you this morning? I'm excited. Now, I, I want to start with, you know, probably the best one, or maybe the, maybe the first one. I don't know. I want to start with Abraham. Abraham. You guys remember Abraham, right? I mean, this guy... This guy is like the, the, the first guy. He's like the father of faith, right? The patriarch. In fact, in, in kids' church, we used to sing that song, you know, Father Abraham has many sons. Did anyone sing that? I'm not the only one, right? Yeah, it's like the ho- Christian hokey pokey. You know what I'm talking about. That was the best, man. I mean, that, like, I, I, as a kid, I never understood why he's my dad. I'm like, my dad's in the other room. What are you talking about? I'm like, Father Abraham's my, yes, I am a dad, you know? But, <laughs> like, the reality is Abraham ha- has an epic story of, of really obedience and walking in what God has called him to do. The reality is that Abraham is regarded as a great man of faith because he believed God. He believed God. Like, it, it's very simple. I mean, it's not, it's not a complicated thing like he prayed 700 hours a week and, you know, all that stuff. Like, he believed God. He trusted God. That, that, that is why Abraham is known as the father of faith because he trusted God. In fact, God told him, he said, listen, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your family. Take your livestock, take everyone that's in your family, in your area, and I want you to go to a brand new place, and if you listen to me and do it, it's going to be a promised land, and you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. He's like, Abraham, drop what you're doing and go, right? Drop what you're doing and go. Do what I called you to do. And, you know, the, the, the interesting part about that is he does it, you know? I mean, can you imagine, like, living in what would be relative comfort, and then God suddenly calls you to go live in a tent in some place you've never been? This was the reality of Abraham and his family. But here's the tricky part. Abraham was 75 years old when he got that call. 75. Is anyone in here 75 or above 75, I should say? No hands. All right. <laughs> 75 years old. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm 29, and I'm like, wow, that's like double what I've lived so far. I mean, seven, like, and then some. 75 years old. And not to mention, he said he'd have descendants as numerous as the stars. I don't know about you, but not a lot of 75-year-olds are planning their families right now. 
You know, that, that's not really the plan. It's like, well, we're going to have a few more kids, right? No, you, you just, that doesn't how it works. That's not how it goes. And so Abraham and his wife, Sarah, you know, they're, they're, they're like, okay, God, we'll do it. They, you know, they, they, they decided that they're going to step out, honor God, and do what he called them to do. And, and he calls them to Israel. And the faith of Abraham, that, that willingness to obey God. And by the way, he was far from perfect. This guy, he made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of things that really caused problems. But the reality is, Abraham in, the, in, in his life trusted God. And Abraham became the father of faith. And Abraham also became the patriarch, the father of the nation of Israel, you know, God's people. I mean, it, it's amazing how that, that willingness to just say, yes, God, I will do what I've called you to do. I'll, I'll go where you've called me to go. I'll do what you've called me to do. That's why he's known as the father of faith. Not only that, Abraham's also known as this. I preached about this last week at church. Abraham's known as a friend of God. He's a friend of God. He talked to God like a friend. He had that relationship with God like a friend. Church, I, I don't believe that, that that friendship with God is, is set aside for the super saints. I don't believe that, you know, if you're, if you're like Abraham, you no, know, I honestly believe this. I believe that, that God has a desire to know you, to be your friend, to have a relationship. That doesn't mean we don't revere him. That doesn't mean we don't worship him. We do. We honor him. He's God, right? We do. But the reality is he's called us to be his friend, to have a relationship with him, to know him, to know his heart, to know his will. Amen? How many of you guys know this? God still shows up today. God still shows up today. The same God that changed the destiny of nations, the same God that called Abraham lives today. He was, you know, Abraham wasn't particularly qualified. He wasn't particularly special, but he trusted God. He, he believed him. He believed God. He failed and wasn't faithful all the time, but God was faithful. You know, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says, even when we're faithless, God is faithful because he cannot deny himself. He trusted God. How many of you guys like, uh, you know, I, okay, so uh, the way my wife and I have it right now is my wife works during the day. She works at, a, at an office, and so I get to watch the baby for a few hours in the morning, right? And, and I, I don't know about you guys, but maybe guys are like this, but I'm, I'm not a great cook. Okay, like, I, I'm like the, the hot pocket kind of guy. Like, you know, I got lunch. I was like, okay, I got a choice, ramen or hot pockets. Uh, where's my wife? Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's me, okay? Like, I, I don't like to cook. But so what I'll do is, and, you know, what a lot of guys did, especially when you're single, is you just, you know, pop the microwave thing, throw it in the microwave, and, you know, you're good to go. Th two or three minutes, and you're good for a hot meal, right? A delicious hot pocket, right? But how, how many of you guys know that, like, the best kind of food is the food that takes a while, Right? I mean, I'm talking like my grandma, I used to go to her house. She cooked these amazing, amazing meals, right? And it took like three or four hours, right? And you'd sit there like, is it done yet? No, not yet. And you're like, oh, come on. I'm starving. I, I need this. I, I mean, I, you'd sit there and just like, you smell it. Cook, especially like Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there, you just smell it. And you want to like sneak in and like pick off the turkey. Who does that? Come on. Who's a turkey picker in here? I know you are. <laughs> like I'm serious, right? I mean, the best food takes a while, right? You know, Nobody goes to McDonald's and says, oh, that's really high-quality food, right? You know, you go somewhere else, right? I mean, that, that's, it, yeah, it's good for a moment, but it's not, not worth waiting for. You know what I mean? God's promises are worth waiting for. Sometimes we treat God's promises like that microwave dinner. We want it now. We want it in that moment. Like, oh, come on. Let's go. Let's go. You know, we, we, we treat God like he's a microwave. But the reality is the promises, God, the promises of God are more like waiting for the good stuff. Because the reality is it took a while. Abraham's 75 years old. Don't you think he trusted God before that? Probably. Don't you think that, you know, in his comfortable place where he lived, that, you know, he, he had a relationship with God. He, he knew God. Probably. 
But the promise took a long time to come. 75 years and then some, because that was when he first went. It took a little bit longer even for his son to be born. But the promises of God are worth waiting for. Amen? It's like grandma's cooking. It's worth it. It's good. You know, I, I heard this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. It says this, The years teach much which the days never knew. The years teach much which the days never knew. I love that quote because, you know, the waiting on God is often a long process. It, it's often, it often takes time. It often takes patience. And like Abraham, you know, Abraham tried to take shortcuts. You read that story. He tried to take different shortcuts. He, he just, he, he couldn't quite see how it happened, and it caused some problems. You know, you remember that thing with Hagar. I mean, it, Abraham tried to take shortcuts a few times, but, you know, in the reality, God kept bringing him back, and finally he trusted God. And then he had a son, right? Remember Isaac? He had Isaac, and Isaac was the promised child. You know, Sarah had a kid in her late age, and they had it, you know, Isaac saying, what does God tell Abraham to do? Go sacrifice your son, right? And what, Abraham's ready to do it. You know, he's ready to say, God, I trust you, even though you're telling me the opposite of what you promised. I trust you. And, and you know, we know that God stopped him and then spared his son and put a ram in the bush. And it, it's just amazing when you read that story because you see someone who went through this process in a long period of trusting God. And now he's known as the father of faith. So here's our applications today. Number one, trust God when he calls you to do something. Don't limit his call based on your means. You may, not, you may think, I'm not tall enough. I can't public speak well. I'm too old. I'm too young. Don't put up excuses anymore. You know, I, I, I tend to think like that too. I, I think it's easy to say that from the pulpit. Sometimes that's hard to practice, isn't it? You, we have so many excuses of why we can't. But the reality is if God is enough, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? We believe that. Number two, movement is required. You actually have to be a doer instead of a talker. Now, I, I, this, this one's interesting because, you know, when you're a pastor of a church or even a youth pastor, you, oftentimes people come up and say, I want to do this, I want to do that. But then when you actually call on somebody to do something, a lot of times they're like, oh, I can, I got this, I got that. And, you know, you understand excuses. This isn't a diss on them. But the reality is you have to do more than just talk the talk. You have to be a doer. You have to, you have to go. You have to actually do it. I mean, Abraham could have said, God, I'll, I'll, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe in a few years I'll do it. Maybe down the road. But the reality is you have to do it. You have to go. You have to take that step of faith. You know, in our social media world, people talk a lot, don't they? <laughs> Man, it's, it's a mess out there. You, you go on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. People have a lot to say, but a lot of people don't have a lot to do. And the reality is we talk a lot, but oftentimes we don't actually do it. Number three, patience. Waiting on God for his timing is per and his purpose is so essential. How many of you guys know this? God's timing is better than our timing. Amen? When he opens the door, it's open wide. But when it's shut, we need to not try to force it open. God's timing is perfect. It's amazing. Abraham waited more than you know, anyone I can think of, 75 years, for, to even start, to even do what God called him to do. But he waited, and God, you know, blessed him and made him the father of nations. It's amazing. I want to show the next person in the story, Gideon. Now, Gideon is, is, is one of, I got to say, it's like my favorite Bible story. He, you know, I, I think maybe because he's like called short in the Bible, and I'm like, yes, short people can do stuff. All I have is Gideon and Zacchaeus, so... You know, and Zacchaeus just hid in a tree, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> Gideon's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you about this guy, Gideon. Gideon is, is described as kind of a meek, humble man from a, you know, tiny tribe. But, you know, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's, he's just a, a real out-of-the-way guy. And, and during his time, the people of Israel, you know, this is a few hundred years later, the people of Israel were, were oppressed by another group called the Midianites, right? And so in the scripture, in the book of Judges, we find Gideon hiding out in a cave, threshing wheat 
on a wine press so his wheat doesn't get stolen. You know, he's hiding out. He, he's, he's hiding from his enemies. He's just, you know, really just trying to make ends meet. You know, just kind of living life, doing the best he can. Suddenly, an angel from the Lord, you know, steps in, into the cave, talks to Gideon and says, Hey, listen, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Now, this was before Gideon had done anything, okay? He's hiding in a cave. He's doing, you know, he's just doing his business, going about his work, uh, you know, hiding from these enemies that are stealing all the wheat, stealing all this stuff. And, and he says, listen, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. How many of you guys know this? God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. Man. You see, when we have that relationship with God, we give our lives to the Lord, he speaks a better word over our lives. I don't know what people have called you in your past, but what matters is what God has called you. What matters is what he sees. Even when you don't see it, he sees it. He see, you know, he saw Gideon, this humble guy hiding in a cave as a mighty man of valor to set his people free. God saw something that Gideon hadn't seen in himself. God speaks a better word over us. And it's amazing. He speaks into what could be, what could happen if we take that step of faith, what can happen when we walk after him and chase his will for our life. He speaks to Gideon a better word. When, and for us, for what that means for us is when we step forward into what God has called us to do, it, it's amazing. When you walk into what God's called you to do, you can understand this, that the minute you say yes to God, there's going to be excuses that come up. The minute that you say yes to God, there's going to be attacks that come against you. The enemy doesn't like it when we trust God. The enemy doesn't like it when we step forward. But the minute you say yes to God, even though it's going to be hard, even though it may be difficult, the reality is when you step into God's will, you're stepping into the best life you can ever do. It may not be the easiest life, but it's the best. It's amazing when we say yes to God. God speaks a better word over us. The reality is when we walk in God's favor, when we walk in his path, he affirms us, he guides us, he leads us, and he speaks a better word over us. What eventually happened with Gideon is he, he, he listened. He trusted God. He's like, all right, let's do this. In fact, he actually had, it actually took him a while. He, he kind of tested God a little bit. You know, he's a little, little bold. I mean, he kind of tests God with the fleece, and then he gets all these different people together, and then God's like, no, we don't need an army. We just need 300 guys. And they get this, this small group together, and they go, and they get rid of the Midianites. They take them out. You know, it, this guy hiding out a cave became what God called him to be. He went from guy hiding in a cave to mighty man of valor. And he trusted God. And it's amazing. So our word, what we take from this is this. Number one, don't look for encouragement or affirmation from this world. You know, don't get me wrong. It, it's amazing when a brother encourages you or a sister or, you know, someone tells you something and encourages you. We should be like that. That's, that's our role as a church, right? Is to help each other, to encourage each other, to spur each other on. But the reality is our affirmation, our identity comes from God. And if it's coming from somewhere else, it's not going to last. Our identity has to be founded in Christ. He speaks a better word over us. Gideon went from scared man to mighty warrior. Gideon believed God and God rescued a nation. What does God call you to do? What has he called you to do? Church, this is for us. We take it. Finally, I want to speak about this third guy, this third person. Because the reality is, when you take a step forward in faith, when you walk with what God's called you to do, discouragement and defeat are inevitable. The truth is, there's going to come a day when you get discouraged in what God's called you to do. I want to speak about a guy named Elijah. Elijah, uh, you know, th this guy was, he, he is the quintessential biblical prophet, okay? Uh, Elijah was 
the guy, you know, he's like the biblical Chuck Norris of prophets in the Old Testament, right? I mean, this guy, this, when I think of Old Testament prophets, I think of Elijah. And, and that's not, not just me either. Like, even in the New Testament when John the Baptist is doing his thing, everyone's like, is he like Elijah? You know, that's, that's what people think. Prophet, think Elijah, okay? This is the kind of guy who's very bold, stands up for God. In fact, we remember if you, you know, again, hearkening back to kids' church. Remember that story, right, where he meets with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, right, and had this showdown. You know, like, the, the, like it's like Rocky, you know. I mean, they had this awesome showdown in the Old Testament. They meet on the Mount Carmel, and, you know, they say, Wh- whichever God brings down fire from heaven, let him be God. And the prophets of Baal, they do all their stuff. And, you know, Elijah, he literally starts making fun of them. And then he's like, you know what, let me show you what God can do. And then, like, this amazing thing happens. Got fire from heaven comes down and eats up the sacrifice. And it's amazing, right? And, and when we think of, you know, the power of God and we think of the calling of God, I think of a guy like Elijah, a guy who stood for what, you know, he, he stood out against the crowd. He spoke out against the wickedness of his day. He, he was a strong, mighty man of God. Miracles followed him. People came back from the dead. Half that, those stories we read in Hebrews, I mean, some of those are mentioning him. They're literally referencing him, right? But just after one of the major victories, you know, he's at Mount Carmel. Just after that, Elijah also faces major, major discouragement. In fact, what happens is this. Picture this scene. Elijah, you know, he preaches to the people. He, he, the sacrifice, fire from heaven comes down and eats up the sacrifice. I'm sure he's thinking, all right, now we're talking national revival. Baal's out, God's in, things are going to be right again. I mean, that's, that's got to be what he's thinking. But then, then he finds out that, in fact, that's not what's going to happen. In fact, the, the king and the queen, they begin to hunt him down and try to seek and take his life. In other words, even after this amazing miracle where fire from heaven comes, it seems like nothing's changing. The reality is, uh, Elijah gets very depressed at that point. He gets very discouraged. Right after his showdown at Mount Carmel, he has to flee for his life. And what he must have thought was the beginning of a revival instead turns into a pursuit for his life. Elijah gets major depressed. All his hopes, all his dreams, all his words, and now nothing. And here's where we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, 9 through 13. It says this, and I have that on the screen. The Lord speaks to Elijah. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. When Elijah heard it, he was wrapped his face in his clothes, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, after all that, all that depression, all that frustration, all that discouragement, where does Elijah go? He runs to God. He runs to God. He feels defeated. He feels discouraged, but he runs to God. The reality is, when you take a step of faith, when you walk forward into what God has called you to do, you will face discouragement. You will face frustration. You will face defeat. But how many know this? That in those times, that's when we need to run to God the most. That's when we need Him so bad. I think sometimes we all want to live on that high note and 
constantly just go from high to high, you know, do the best we can. But the reality is there's going to come some lows too. There's going to come times when you feel like, what are we even doing this for? Why are we going to church? Why are we doing this? Nothing's changing. But that's when we must run to God. That's when we need him so much. The righteous run into him and they are saved. Take a step of faith. Do what he's called you to do. And when discouragement comes, not if, but when discouragement comes, set your mind on the promises. Remember what he whispered in your ear when you were younger. Remember his words in the darkness. Remember what he's called you to do. Don't look to what is seen. Look to what is unseen, hidden away, and only known to God. God has a bigger plan for your life. And and church, if that's you this morning, if you're in this place feeling discouraged, feeling like you're just walking up against a wall, don't give up. Run to the Lord. Run to him. Seek him. God has a destiny for you. I believe God for my hometown in Tree Mountain. I believe God has placed a dream on the hearts of the families that are with me. I believe that God has opened doors that no man can shut. I believe that God is healing a community. And I believe that for here too. I believe that God has placed North Ogden on your heart, this area on your mind. And you know that how you, you guys understand how much God is needed in your community, in your home, in your families. You know that personally. And I believe God has called you, if you're a believer in this room, I believe God has called you to reach out to him, to, to, to take a step of faith, to walk forward, to do what he's called you to do. It's time for the people of God to dream again. Amen? It's time for the people of God to stand up on the promises of his word and take forward, take steps forward into that land that he's called us to. And we're doing it. And when you're discouraged, you walk forward. Go like Abraham. Don't allow excuses to stop you. Listen to God. Let him tell you who you're supposed to be. Like Gideon, let him speak his words over you. Don't listen to discouragement. Don't listen to those who tear you down. And like Elijah, in your discouragement, in your distraction, when you run out of steam, run to God like you've never ran before. Rest in his wings. Let him him restore you. Let him give you new strength. And let him revive your life again. Amen? Can we pray this morning? But I want to ask you to do this. Not just let me pray. I want you to pray for your community. I want you to pray for your family, for your world, the people that you influence whether they're here, whether they're not here, whatever. The people that you know need God. Can we pray together? I'll lead the prayer, but I want you to pray with me too. Can we do that? Let's do it. God, I thank you so much. God, we we call out for our communities today. God, we call out for people, Lord, that need to turn to you. God, make us bold. Make us men and women of God who are willing to step out on your promises and do what you've called us to do. God, let us take a step forward into the land you've put in front of us. God, let us walk in faith, knowing that you speak a better word over our lives. God, I pray for a new revival. I I pray for a a renewing of lives and hearts as people turn to you. Lord, we cry out to you for our friends, for our families, for our communities, for our schools, for these places that need you so desperately. God, use me. Use every person here who's willing. Use them to reach our nation that needs you desperately. And God, when we get discouraged, we run to you. Because God, the reality is, we can't do it without you. We need you. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, it's my honor to come speak to you guys today. I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, come talk to us after. Uh, but Jed told me to dismiss you guys. So have a great week.
Enjoy your day, and man, get some more coffee. <laughs> Thank you, guys.